Hello, and welcome to another episode of Rich in Relationship. And today, we're speaking with Susan Raish, the founder of The Tangle Ball, the author of Superheroes Wear Mom Jeans. She's an anti-bullying advocate and a fan of the trusted adult. How are you today, Susan? I'm great, Rich. Thank you for inviting me. This is, uh, you know, this is such a joy. Can I call you Susie? I'd love that. Yeah, so we're going to, you know, folks, when you're when you want to find Susie, Google Susan, but when I'm talking to her, I'm going to call her Susie just because. Yeah, so I'm so excited to have you here on the show. Uh, everyone, I met Susan Susie through a Fearless Communicators event where she was presenting on, well, it was more than anti-bullying. It was really about building children, how to build children up so that they're, they're invulnerable to bullying. And I loved that image so much. I love the image that you created so much. The question that I ask everyone on the show is, how did your heart lead you to the work that you're doing today? Great question. Uh, in my former life, I was a publicist and my main clients were television and publishing companies. And actually, I was a consultant at ABC News when Columbine happened. And uh, that uh, was so shocking to me. And at the time, when I asked kids what they thought happened there, almost all of them said, those boys must have been bullied. Well, just to be clear, we now, now know uh, years later that at the core of that was probably mental health. But the fact that kids assumed it was bullying, mm -hmm. that kids would be... Um, you know, going to such drastic measures really struck me. So it, it actually took me a full 10 years to act, to spend more time on it, to say, this is what I wanted to devote my time on. Um, and actually in the very beginning, I just started going to conferences and talking to experts and, and parents and teachers. And, and uh, you know, a couple of things really stuck out to me. At my first conference, a professor from a researcher actually from Harvard said this behavior starts very young. Mm. It starts as young as four years old. So that shocked me. And uh, I thought, oh, for sure, you know, the more I, people I talk to, the more they'll be talking about that, that it starts young. But really, not that many people were talking about that. And I, the second thing was that. You know, this whole subject is messy and it is complicated. Yeah. So my visual was a tangled ball. Um, but just like with any tangled ball, you can take out one string at a time and there is hope. There's, there's a lot we can do. And then um, the third is that there are great experts out there doing fantastic work. So we don't have to go it alone, uh, which is, you know, why I wrote my book. Got it. Got it. And uh I want to leap into the book, but I'm going to hold off on the book because uh, I think I, I want to make sure the audience follows along with us here. So actually, I love that you were so inspired by a, a really earth-shattering world event and the way that you responded to what the kids said, which, and I think a lot of people didn't really hear what the kids said, or they just assumed the kids were right. And I love the way that you checked to see if in fact, they were bullying victims or, or if there was something more or, or something else at cause. This, the bullying issue is really complex. And as someone who works with couples and with families, 
you know, I, I have actually a very deep commitment to making sure that children are always front and center for their families. And the thing that I know from working with organizations and families is that the troops follow the leader. And so the thing I'm always curious about is what's the relationship between kids who are bullied or vulnerable to bullying is probably a better way to put it, or kids who become bullies and what's going on at home? Right. No, a great question. And you know, just to answer that question, I just wanna go back a tiny step and talk about what bullying actually is because it has become sort of a catch-all for many things. That's true. Uh, but bullying is, you know, has to have three factors involved. It is um, intentional, it is repeated, and it is about an imbalance of power. Uh, so, you know, that's an important, you know, piece, the imbalance of power, because I think that's where the, you know, the relationship between um, home and conflict at home is related to when they there go to there school. There is clearly an imbalance of power at home and with good, good cause, because parents are responsible for their children. Actually, can I just tap on the intentional piece for a second? Mm -hmm. So how are we defining intentional? Because you know, very often people exhibit behaviors that are semi-conscious, like they're not really thinking about it, it's almost automatic. Right. Yeah, well, and intentional to me means that um, you, know, you, you do something, it gets the desired results, and then you decide to keep doing that to get that result, to feel more powerful. Interesting. Interesting. So intentional doesn't necessarily mean that you sit there and go, hmm, I think today I'm going to pick on Susie because she wears glasses and I don't. Oh, here, I better take them off for this. <laughs> on the podcast, they don't know, though, that I actually do wear glasses. I'm going to pick on Susie because she wears glasses and I don't. And because it's fun, it, it might sort of, uh, it might bubble up. But somewhere in there, there's a, there is a clear decision that's made, it isn't just uh, like, it isn't like just throwing your sweater on the floor. No, and you know, uh, a young kid is not gonna sit down and strategize, you know, what, with a piece of paper and a pencil about what they're going to do, but they mean to hurt someone else. They mean to take them down, uh, right. whether it's physical, emotional, mental, whether they, they decide they're gonna spread a rumor or call names or exclude. So in that aspect, it is intentional. Gotcha. All right. That makes it very clear. Thank you. Okay. So bullying has these three facets. Mm -hmm. um, and now that we know what bullying is, how, how does that, and the power imbalance, how does that relate to what goes on at home? Um, and two, I want to, you know, actually explain those terms. When we talk about bullying and we're talking about kids, we're talking about the behavior because, um, and I just want to you know, fit that in here before Please. I answer that question. No, I don't want to rush you. Because, um, you know, we don't want to label kids. And a kid can act like a bully one day, be the target the next day, and then actually be the, you know, bystander or what we like to call upstander another day. It's, it's kind of a movable feast. But when kids are experiencing a problem at home and they're going to school day after day, and they're either modeling the behavior of the parents at home, or they are not getting the attention, you know, because parents, there's no space in a parent's brain actually to, um, to pay attention and to make a child feel like 
they're valued or they have worth, uh, then you know that goes back to that imbalance of power. When they go into school, they're going to exercise their power in a way that you know feels comfortable to them. And often it's aggression if they're seeing aggressive behavior at home. So, and let me stick up for parents for a second, because as a parent, I know if I were hearing this, I'd be thinking, what? I'm being accused of teaching my kid bullying. And I think what I, what I want to communicate here is that very often we can teach our children behaviors without really thinking about it. And I think that, uh, well, let me give you, throw some statistics at the world here. 76% of all couples fight about money. Mm-hmm. right period the end like 76 percent. that's most couples fight about money either not having enough of it or it's going out faster than it's coming in or uh someone's behavior and the second that we're in as couples that we're in some kind of conflicted dynamic and and, and a, an unhealthy conflict not uh, one where there's a lot of feeling and a lot of intensity of emotion we could be in that moment demonstrating to our children a, a bullying behavior. We might be doing it unconsciously. We might be doing it consciously. You know, when couples get fired up, they say all kinds of things to each other, sometimes on purpose, sometimes not. So it's not like we're saying that parents are out there teaching their children bullying behaviors as some kind of, uh, you know, master plan for their lives. It's more like a lot of times we model these behaviors without thinking about it. And that uh, it is normal and natural for, for couples to have conflict. And when we're conflicted, we're often not thinking about the impact on the other person, much less the children who are collateral damage or innocent bystanders. 100%. And I am so happy that you're sticking up for parents because I feel the same way. I, you know, when I did give presentations and I asked parents, you know, what do you want the most for your child? They never, ever, ever say, I want them to not respect others. I don't want, you know, I want them to not respect themselves. They would never, that's not a a conscious thing at all. Um, I think that uh, parents are, you know, almost everyone is well-meaning. They, you know, they certainly don't want to, to model this, but maybe they may not be aware of what they are modeling. Absolutely, well, I can, I can testify as a parent that I've modeled all kinds of negative behaviors that I deeply regret looking back, but at the time I had no clue that it was even coming out until I saw it reflected back. And, and it's just the reality of being a human being that we're all growing and developing and we never do anything perfectly and we all step in it and everybody's child probably needs therapy no matter what. It's just it's like, this is just how it is. Okay, so we have these children who are uh, learning these behaviors what what are some of the signs that parents should look out for that maybe they're having these kinds of interactions that they're or or have the possibility of of being a recipient of bullying or a deliverer of bullying well you know they mean the kind of signs you're seeing in their own children yeah you're right you know i think there are a lot of them um and there's a flip side to this a child can you know in order to, to establish a little, you know, power can engage in, in uh, bullying type of behavior, but other kids will go inward. So it all has to do with a little bit of anger, I think, um, or a lot of it does. So, you know, the bullying behavior may be anger towards somebody 
the child that goes inward is, you know, maybe bringing the anger inward. Mm -hmm. So it's important to check out both in your kids. And there are a lot of different ways. If their behavior is changing, if they're just not themselves, if uh, you notice that if siblings at home, they're acting out and being a little bit more aggressive. Obviously, if you get a call from a school, you know, be open-minded and listen to what the school has to say. Um, it's easy, very easy to get defensive. Uh, and all of it is understandable. But um, yes, I think just change in a child's behavior, demeanor, or their appetite, or, you know, how, how they're even interacting with uh, the parents themselves. And very interesting point. So we want to watch, number one, we want to watch their level of anger. And as you pointed out, some people internalize anger, some people are, or will externalize it. Or another way to put it would be some people like conflict, some people are conflict avoidant. If they're conflict avoidant, they're probably going to have a tendency to internalize it. If they're, uh, if they're more conflict oriented, they're going to externalize it. Um, another thing to do, you said, was to listen to feedback from the school and other parents and other kids. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. when, when you see these tendencies, what are your options? And uh, I'm, I've got a feeling that this is where moms you know, wearing jeans get to be superheroes. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, two, I have just two quick stories just as examples. Uh, you know, two moms' reactions. I know one mom that was in you know, terrible conflict at the time, you know, marriage, uh, she and her husband owned a business that wasn't doing well. And uh, she started to notice how aggressive her daughter was with her older sister, and then started putting two and two together. And she made me laugh. I ran into her and she said, I, I can't believe I just ran into you because I just turned myself into the school. <laughs> she said, I think I'm raising the mean girl. So I have to appreciate that. Um, then a, a different mom, I ran into her and the school had called her because her daughter was in eighth grade at the time and they were experiencing a lot of conflict at home. Uh, they had a child who had a drug abuse um, situation, things completely out of her control. But when the school called her, she um, completely defended her daughter's actions and said, you know, well, that's what just young girls do. You know, mm -hmm. they're mean to each other. So the difference between the two is awareness is just to say, you know, hey, you know, just stop and take an honest look at the behavior and then start to course correct. It's never okay to let a child continue to be feel angry. You have to get to the to the bottom of the anger. And of course, kids have to be disciplined and told, you know, between right and wrong. But it's really important to get down to the heart of it. And what kids want the most is to be listened to. I think that's a, a human condition. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, when I the work that I do with couples is very much around teaching them how to release their own internal dialogue long enough to hear the other person so that they can reflect it back. Actually, in my previous incarnation, I, had, I was very entrepreneurial for 30 years. And the first thing we would teach anyone who was in the field was how to do um, reflective listening or mirroring. And so every employee had a mini notepad and they would, somebody would come up to them and say, you know, Da, 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 whatever it was, however crazy it was. And they would say one minute and they take out their note bag and they start, they'd write down one feeling and one fact about what the person was saying. And they'd say, wow, 
Mrs. Raish, it sounds like you really feel that fencing in trees is really bad and you're really angry about it. And they go, that's right. And they say, well, I'll pass that on to my supervisor. And they'd say, thank you. And they'd be so thrilled that somebody had taken the time to hear that instead of going, oh, you crazy person, why are you talking to me? You know, uh, and it, it, because 95% of customer service issues is just like kids, just like couples, is people just need to be heard. Once they're heard, they're like, oh my God, you know, uh, this isn't just me, somebody else is in it with me. Mm-hmm. So how then, does, go ahead. No, and, and then, um, you know, on these cases, you know, these kids were acting out rather aggressively and there's going, it's, it's about going back and teaching some skills and, and taking the time to teach those and then modeling those as well. You know, assertiveness versus aggression. You know, you can, you can get what you want, but without being aggressive. But kids really, most of the time, need to be taught how to do that. Yeah, uh, maybe adults too. Mm-hmm. I mean, I find that very often in couples work, uh, that, that the couples who come to me, there's at least one person who doesn't know any other way than to be aggressive. But then they find out, oh, I can, I can stand for what I believe in without being hostile. Right. Without, with caring about how the other person feels about it. So tell us more about your book and how it will help parents with this. Well, as I mentioned before, you know, one thing I did discover is uh, there is no lack of great resources and great experts out there. I just found that most parents uh, and teachers really did not know about them. And so I sort of took the, the um, you know, my experience as a publicist and decided, well, you know, that's, that's my little corner of the world. Uh, I can share, I can share these resources because there is no one size fits all. Mm-hmm. Every single situation, I'm sure you find that in, in your practice and what you do, every single situation is different. Um, every dynamic is different. So, you know, some some people need different types of resources to help them. Mm-hmm. And that's why I wrote the book. I said, oh, you know, I'd feel bad if I didn't share these. And so the book is, uh, it sounds like it has a lot of resources in it. That it's really the it's primary purpose is to share resources and to share what I felt the best researched, the most, um, the programs that were the most sustainable, the best tips, and I put them in a book. Yeah, I think that's incredibly helpful because um, it's really interesting. When I think back on when I was a child in bullying, uh, I remember, actually, my parents weren't terribly available to talk to about it. Uh, So I remember in our school, the book Black Like Me came out. And there's this scene where the child comes back and says, they took my lunch money or I I can't remember the deeds. It's been a long time since I read, but I remember the solution. The solution was, here's a baseball bat. Don't come home until you straighten this out with them, you know, uh, and, you know, that is how that is what I always thought the answer to bullying was, was to go out and beat the crap out of people. Now, mind you, I, I didn't do that much, but that's, you know, that's a misconception I had about it. And it sounds like some of if people have the right resources, that they understand that things can be different situationally, that there isn't a one size fits all solution. Actually, in that book, in that neighborhood at that time, who knows, that might have been the right answer. But that certainly isn't the right answer to all bullying situations. No, and you know that that is still part of um, people's mindset to this day, uh, and I think that that um, is where some of the defensiveness sometimes comes in when a parent comes into a school 
and uh, you know, teachers will report that back to me. You know, when I'm, you know, just uh, sharing things with them, and they'll come back and say, "But the parent is actually enabling this behavior because they feel that that's strength." And so it's really changing the mindset of what does strength mean? Yes, strength is, does not necessarily mean that you're the biggest bully. I guess right. strength can be something completely different. And I believe that the next, we're going to do this again, you and I, and folks, just so you know, the second topic is going to be about the risks that, the risk that kids don't have a trusted adult in their lives when, they experiencing, when they're experiencing bullying, that they don't have someone who can help them to understand what strength might really be. And I look forward to that conversation. Yeah, as do I, actually. I think it's a, I think the most intriguing thing about when I heard you speak is I, that I sort of had this realization that, and I hadn't really thought about bullying until I heard you speak, by the way, um, was that, oh, yeah, there's, it's not about this victim abuser rescuer dynamic. There's something else. It, it's actually a whole mind shift. You know, that, that there's the way we think about bullying, the way we experience as children, what we think the solution is, the solution is to be the biggest dog. And then there's a whole nother mindset that's completely different than that. And just a whole nother way to frame it so that uh, children are more secure in themselves and know how to walk away and not, and not feel less than when they walk away or to help another child and not do it in a way that comes across as bullying. There's just a whole nother mindset that you can embrace. And that's what really that's what really drew me to to want to have this interview. I just think it's like this fascinating idea. That I know I so appreciate that because I often say that leadership is the anti-bully and leadership is skill building. And that's a very positive thing. So if we're aware of the skills that we can help our child with, you know, that's good for the rest of their lives. And hopefully there'll be some room to talk about parenting styles and some more you know, positive parenting. I think we talked a little bit today about how easy it is when you're in a relationship to de-evolve your dialogue to the point where you're modeling less than desirable behavior. But there are ways that you can consciously model positive behavior. Maybe we'll have an opportunity for that the next time we speak. Oh, I look forward to that. Hey, so the question I ask everyone towards the end is what is the legacy you want to leave behind? Again, I love that question. Uh, I would like my legacy to be that I helped kids by lifting up the trusted adult. Got it. Help kids by lifting up the trusted adult. I like it. Yeah. It's all about skill building. I think, uh, you know, it's, I, I think it's going to be really interesting to explore you know, what, what is a trusted adult? Mm-hmm. Yeah, very cool. Hey, Susie, this has been great. How can people find you if they want to contact you? It is simple. You just can go to tangledball.com and all of my information is there. Terrific. Well, listen, I want to thank you again for coming on the show and I hope everyone's looking forward to the next episode, which will be out in a few weeks. But um, reach out to Susie, look at her website, buy the book, there's tons of resources. You know, we're really encouraging you to deep to dig deep or to deeply dig because this is, I guess I think I want to say that I think that bullying occurs. It's it's like everywhere. You know, it's everywhere. I think bullying occurs on some level in pretty much every family. 
You know, if, if we put bullying on a scale of one to 10, you know, I think we've been talking about eight, nine, tens, but I think that bullying can occur on much lower levels that we don't even notice or think about much, you know, when, and it, so it's, this is a really, really deep subject. Thank you, Rich. We want to raise, raise kind, confident kids. So I, I appreciate being with you today. Thank you.